Welcome to the Cultured Chameleon Podcast. My name is Eugene. And my name is Lucas. And this is a podcast that focuses on third culture kids and adults, mental health topics, and theological and philosophical topics as well. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome all to the Cultured Chameleon. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for tuning back in. Um, for those of you who are wondering probably where was last week's episode, um, we're actually taking a different approach and we're just going to publish episodes every two weeks. So twice a month, basically, uh, which gives us more time to balance our workloads with clients and, um, and give more time to actually, yeah, sitting down for longer periods of time and, and doing all our research and, and reading and, and exploring what type of topics we want to focus on. So yeah, just wanted to let you guys all know. Maybe we'll just cut that out of the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll stay. Maybe you won't. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so we've been thinking about this topic for a little bit. I've been thinking about this topic for a little bit. I I think Eugene has too, but I I feel like this topic on church wounds or church hurt um, also started when we did our fourth episode, suffering. How do we do, how do we deal with suffering in the world, and how do we make meaning out of suffering? Um, because we, I think I wanted to talk about church hurt in that, because I thought that was a very, you know, a specific aspect to talk about. Um, but suffering in the world is so much. <laughs> there's too much to even go into any detail for. So we've saved this topic, and um, I'm I'm. I'm pretty excited to talk about it, even though it's a very painful and dark topic to touch on, but I think it's important to do nonetheless. Um, and hopefully some of our discussion during this episode and, and some of the things that we talk about will be um, fruitful for you guys to think and ponder on and to uh, discuss with your friends and family or your church youth group or maybe not a youth group, but um your home group, I guess. So so many so many different adjectives. I know. To talk about. <laughs> I've heard like community groups, home groups, small groups, cell groups. Life groups. Yep, life groups. <laughs> okay. But either way we think it's worth mentioning and worth thinking about as several of our viewers are they're christian and these things are applicable yeah yeah and hopefully this will help navigate conversation and maybe approach some things and some relationships with more discerning and wisdom that's hope anyway yeah and we hope that <clears throat> we're able to present these things well and with consideration, mm -hmm. we, we both, I think we both understand that there's a lot of, there can be a lot of memories and history and hurt as the title. Yeah. We'll church, relate yeah, church, church wounds. <laughs> behind it. So we're understanding yeah. of that. Um, but nonetheless, I think part of the reason why <clears throat> these things can divulge into 
spiritual abuse and other areas have to do with lack of conversation about it. Mm. So something that we think is worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So let's kind of dive into it a little bit and maybe just um, get some definitions out there and some understanding as well. So um, how, I don't want to say we, <laughs> I'll say we, how, how Eugene and I have kind of conceptualized um, church wounds is, is church wounds as like a general um, topic that can span in, in many different directions. Because um, we can think of all different types of specific situations where we've been hurt by a church or a church member um, or church system. And, um, and going down from church wounds, um, we are thinking about spiritual abuse as the first and foremost hurt uh, that can happen in a, in a church setting. Um, and spiritual abuse, I guess, one of the ways to define that is um, using one's faith or, or sacred text or uh, doctrine or theology um, to coerce um, harm, control, or um, misuse against uh, another person for, we'll say, the perpetrator's benefit, or maybe even the church's benefit. Um, so that's kind of a, a broad definition, because it can go into several different areas, too. Because um, if we get more specific, we can also think about spiritual abuse in a physical abuse context. Um, we can also think of it in a sexual abuse context, um, which, you know, as we're already thinking about, and if you're thinking about too, you can always already get into like even more specifics, um, whether it's, <clears throat> whether it's a, uh, a spouse context uh, in a physical abuse situation, or if it's um, a youth pastor and teenagers, or if it's clergy and children, or, you know, a pastor and a young woman, it's, you know, all the different specific scenarios you can think of for that and for those situations. So, and then I would even say, just like the, I don't know how to say it, kind of like the, the, the personal hurt or the, the betrayal of um, someone that you trusted or a church that you trusted um, when it came to anything that was maybe a personal. It could have been a death of a family member, um, could have been your own mental health uh, issues that you wanted to talk about. Um, one person does believe something different from the church and that also begins to hurt because you have a lot of confrontation maybe. Um, so it, it, there's so many different areas that this can cover, but I think for us talking today, tonight, um, we'll mostly just be focusing on spiritual abuse and some of those contexts and, and how we can walk um, through those in a beneficial way, in a constructive way, I guess. Yeah, that's a great way to lay it out. Hurt is kind of the more the umbrella topic and specifying it down to abuse and something I think is that's important to think about is um, sometimes this looks like a gamut as we've talked about there can be gradations before mm. 
one might start thinking about actions or patterns of actions as being abuse. And they might start like looking at someone's um, hurt and experiences with an authority figure. And with the other thing is with all these, even marriage hurt, um, marriage abuse, sorry, that occurs, there are recurrent themes. And as Lucas mentioned, one of them is coercion. So what this might look like is the difference between spiritual abuse and just hurt is like a pattern of this behavior and something to hone in on. If you are say walking with someone who might be experiencing this, and this is also why we wanted to bring up the podcast. Um, so you had a friend or family member that comes to you and they're bringing some of these things up and they're wondering, I'm experiencing this hurt, maybe feeling like I can't trust myself or feeling as though I'm being manipulated. Um, and what might be things to look out for? And one of that is, is there a pattern of this behavior um, from the people in leadership? And where is the trajectory of that going? We also are talking about these issues with the understanding that church is for the sick. Like, you're not going to find a bunch of perfect people at church. So I think there's going to be an implicit expectation of people are going there to seek God and seek connection with one another and belonging as well. And where there's people, there's potential to be hurt, but also I'd say potential to show and receive grace. Um, so some things to think about is, I think, not categorizing all hurt as abuse, but seeing if there's, if there's this pattern of the leader, whoever, whoever it may be, using their, their theology, position of authority, and spiritual authority as a way to get individuals to behave or act in a certain way. And I'd say to do this using things such as fear, I'd say shame or guilt, as opposed to something that might look like um, serving, serving God out of love. I think there's a difference between you should be doing this because God told me and then almost in, in a sense creating a barrier between the individual and their relationship with God and kind of self-appointing oneself as the authority figure over another individual. And this would be in more of a, I guess I'd say in more of an extreme and obvious case, but there may be smaller instances where the interaction is more nuanced and kind of using, using those feelings of, oh, if you don't do this, um, God won't accept it, or I'd say really abusing theology um, for self-interest and self-gain. Mm -hmm. And I think this, is a, this also speaks to issues regarding how leadership is appointed and Yeah, how leaders are elected, and this can also lead into to whether or not we're investing our leaders, or investing into our leaders to develop their character and see what their character is like, or whether or not we're investing into leaders for certain ostensible outcomes that they might bring to our church. And I think those are some things to think about is 
how we value the character and what their motivations are and whether or not the actions and what they're preaching is to gain control over individuals or if it's whether or not or whether or not they're just bringing up scripture i think is a different issue if you're teaching people to to give to the church that's one thing but if you're telling them if you're forcing someone to give through manipulation like fear or shame if they don't give i think that's a different thing so let's let's kind of break this down a little bit because there are a couple of different things that you also brought up as well. Um, so let's touch on like the spectrum that we that you mentioned earlier. There's a spectrum of of there's a, there's a spectrum of people in the church, which is probably very cliche because everybody's diverse and unique. Um, in that in that same way, you have a spectrum of hurt, like you said. There's a there's a difference between being hurt and abuse. Um, cause being hurt, Eugene and I could get into a, an argument and he might say something and that might hurt me <laughs> and I would feel hurt. Um, and that might stick with me for a little bit. Might have to process that for a cu- past couple of days. Cause Eugene's a good friend. Um, so we'd have to say something really mean <laughs> too. Um, and so we make that distinction because being hurt and feeling hurt and then being abused is going to look different. And I think what you mentioned was, is there a pattern? So do you see a pattern of behavior or a pattern of being talked to um, or a pattern of how past cases have been dealt with in your church setting? Um, And how has that been done well or not well? Um, Of course, not everybody's going to do it well, but then sometimes you, maybe you start to see things too. Um, And so I think that, that pattern of yeah pattern of abuse is 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 something to to look out for another thing about the spectrum i think is also there are some people who are going to be put into positions of power and leadership and they're probably not going to be cut out for it or or maybe they are but they're also hurt and broken uh in some way and that also bleeds down cuz it can it can bleed down into um, your congregation and people can unfortunately get hurt by that. And then you kind of have the opposite side maybe of people who seek out positions of power, um, but but not for the congregation and, and not for the church's be- well-being. Um, it's for themselves. Um, and that can get pretty nasty because then you have someone who's intentionally abusing the church um, and kind of taking over. Um, and I would probably equate that to something very biblical, which is, you know, being aware of wolves and sheep's clothing, which also ties into gifts and characters. Uh, characters, gifts and character, <laughs> not characters. Um, there are plenty of people, and if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, there are a lot of spiritual gifts um, that people have, and you'd probably equate them best to someone who can listen, someone who speaks well, um, someone who is forgiving and gracious, and uh, and maybe some more spiritual gifts of like speaking in tongues and things like that. So we in the church at least elevate people who have great gifts to positions of power and leadership because 
I mean, why wouldn't you? If you have somebody who's really good at something, you would probably elevate them um, to a place where they can be in a position to make changes. But having a good gift doesn't mean that you have a good character. Which means that there is a uh, open possibility of abuse and hurt happening. Yeah, and I feel like that speaks to the structure of the church and also maybe the gatekeeping process that happens within pastoral leadership mm. and who, because there's different, based on my experience uh, with different churches and missionary groups, there's different ways to understand like church planting. Sometimes you have like a major organization, I'm not going to say any names, <laughs> that might try to church plant from like a larger home base and then have like smaller churches where they follow the, some kind of curriculum. And then they choose leadership based on, oh, we want this person to do this to kind of like promote our beliefs. It seems to me this, what you talked about also speaks to what that process looks like. Are the people in leadership looking to just fulfill something on the exterior where we look at, oh, we're getting X amount of numbers. Mm -hmm. That's how we're measuring um, the growth of our church, or are we trying to look for a deeper maturity in character? And I think sometimes something that happens also is overlooking certain gifts that are also intrinsic to um, what character might look like, like peace or joy. And I think also looking at the gifts that we receive from Christ and being present with Him, it's almost as though sometimes there's like some tension between. Do I like this leader because he's charismatic, he draws people in, and we like that, and that fills our pews? Or are we looking for someone to really tend our sheep? So I think that's super important, is looking at what's the character of this person? Is this person pointing us to himself? Or is he trying to point us to Scripture and enrich our relationship to God? And I think that's also a big difference with regards to how sermons are approached and like how theology theology is approached in those kind of communities. It's like, am I telling you this because this is, this is from my walk with God and this is what God is speaking to my life. And I'm trying to speak to you through the spirit and in truth for your edification, or is this me just trying to suck something out of you? And I think sometimes what people might ex start to experience with the abuses, that cycle of also them losing their identity and just being um just being asked to just give and not receiving anything back i think that's important mm -hmm. like is there a community also that supports you and is there they're that giving that's reciprocal and i think like when the when whoever is in authority one one thing to think about is is this person in authority also doing what they're preaching are there also, because we're talking about character, do they have that kind of integrity where we can see, oh, this person says these things and I can see them giving and doing these things as well. And I think when that's done right, I think it's actually a beautiful and glorious picture of love and selflessness um, that, actually mirror, that actually mirrors the, the Trinity, in my opinion, between God and the Holy Spirit and Christ. And... And that's what the church 
really is supposed to be an image of is understanding like Christ's love. So you might get something to say. Yeah, because I was I like the um because you're you're because you're pointing out it's like a a, a church leader or a, a pastor is is supposed to to lead um with scripture um and with the um we'll say with the guidance of the Holy Spirit as well, which I agree. But I think that's you know, if you're looking if you're trying to be on the lookout for any spiritual abuse, it's really hard because let's say hypothetically, if the a spiritual abuser was in the, the pulpit and, and preaching, you'd probably be fooled by what they were preaching about because they're also using good words and good words can be biblical too. So they're also preaching um, from scripture which is why it can be very confusing and hard to decipher is like, you know, is this good or bad? Because it's, it is good. He's, he's using scripture, <laughs> but maybe there's this off feeling about it too. <laughs> um, and so I think that was one of the things is that wolves in cheap clothings, they, they look the part. They may even speak the part. And that's probably the most fooling thing um, because they have all the right things that they can say and they could probably even do the right things too. And, you know, anybody can give, uh, anybody can say something kind and do communion and, and things like that um, or put a smile on your face every day at church. Um, but it's much harder to find the, the, the inner things in one's heart and, to maybe even find those things or see those things because there can also be a lack of transparency, which would be devastating because then that lack of transparency is, um, don't keep things in secret, um, as a very, as a very basic ruling. So I, I think we're all, it's easier said than done to say, Hey, that person is a wolf. Um, watch out for that person because most of us would probably be fooled by a person like that. And I, I would probably vouch for myself that I've been fooled once or twice, maybe. And I think that's important to note. Like, that's why we want to talk about these things. And these things aren't super easy to always pinpoint right away. And that's why, I don't know if we talked about it yet. We talked about it before this podcast. So I'm not sure if we talked about it right now. But one thing to think about when you are walking with someone is understanding the gradations between that. And walking with who? Someone who might be experiencing that or questioning that or might not feel okay. yeah. safe or comfortable in a certain situation. It's you want to really listen to what's going on and pinpoint the nuances. This isn't this isn't a thing to throw blanket statements and just make generalizations and be like, oh, I know you before even listening to you and getting to know who you are. So I think that's an important part of that. Like when you walk through it with someone is yeah, get to know them. I'm not saying make make these assumptions, but these are some things to maybe look out to look out for when you are getting to know them. And the more you get to know them, these things will be transparent. But it's tough. And that's why one thing that I think is good to think about is like let's say you're someone you know is experiencing this, um, and you're trying to walk through this with them. Like really listen and really pay attention to the details and the instances of when these things might be happening, right? Mm. Like, 
if we just list out those things that are good of quality and like he's not trying to course you or you're not getting that feeling of something's off then maybe there's something good to it and you can explore that more and i think listening to to the spirit that's inside of us is also important too it's like for for those who are believers the Holy Spirit resides in us. And I think being attuned to what that's speaking to us about a person is important as well. And that's why I like how you brought up if something just doesn't sit right. I think that's worth noting as well. Yeah. It's like, don't just dismiss that right off the bat. So what, what I am saying is, yeah, this takes discernment. It's not super easy to pinpoint. At the extremes, it'll probably be more notable. But these are some things that hopefully give more clarity regarding like what you want to look for. And, and on the other hand, not to shame anyone because I'm not trying to coerce you into doing this, but I also think it's important to, this is why I think it's been important for me to think about my own identity and my own spiritual walk and my own time in scripture as well. And like, being able to learn about theology and not feeling as though one person has the authority to govern that. Mm. I mean, but I, I would also say that's kind of difficult because you're the type of person who's very analytical too. And I know from, from my perspective, I always wanted to learn everything too, because I wanted to be like, what is he saying? Or, or what they're saying up there is it is it true? Can I fact check it? I personally always felt really uh, overwhelmed by how much I had to learn about theology and what does the Greek say and um, it's just like how do I actually interpret and read through scripture? It's not easy, and if it's not easy, one might even go to and seek out a, a you know one would probably seek out like a pastor or somebody who would help them with that. And that's totally fine. Unless there's that one person who's, who's not okay. And they're going to use you for that. I think, and yeah, it's not always easy. And I think it will take some time. So again, this is not to like shame anyone for, for where they're at with it. And it's not to alleviate responsibility for those who are in leadership. I think there are verses that talk about how God will hold those accountable differently. I forget exactly where, but I do know there's a verse that refers to that. It doesn't, it doesn't alleviate that or anything. This is more to encourage that discovery and mm -hmm. the discovery of what God is like. And that's why we've done the other podcast mm -hmm. about identity and God image um, and security to hopefully bring out some of the things that I've discovered, really. Yeah. And, and again, I lock into the, the one source. I'm not asking people to just listen to this one podcast. The whole point is I don't want you to just listen to this podcast and just take my word. It's to encourage the conversation and encourage the thought and the transparency among like the rest of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that, I'm trying to hone in on this. Don't let this one, don't let one person tell you. Well, actually don't idolize one person. That's probably a better way of saying it, yeah.
I think the thing that bothers me is the one person that's trying to hijack God's position in your life. And depending on where you are, and there's a lot of good literature actually on vulnerability and vulnerance. Like in abusive relationships, there is also a grooming process and certain people are going to be targeted because of what they're at and what they're looking for. Um, and that person trying to prey on them and trying to find certain targets and then grooming them into that trust and then eventually leading into control. So it's this gradual process where you you might not even really be aware until you're like deeper into it. Which is actually very scary. It is really scary. Yeah. yeah. And that stuff, it, it frustrates me that that ends up happening, that someone would use something so, I'd say beautiful and glorious and like gracious mm-hmm. to try to prey on someone who's seeking answers. Mm-hmm. And, and may have like a real big genuine heart to know what God wants and like find that out. So what I'm encouraging is like, don't, it's like that, like, as I see what Christ did for us, like he died so that we could have a direct relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have it through someone else. Other people can inform that. No, yeah. But so, and this is where it's maybe a little complicated too, because having a church authority is good and is important and having we'll say discipline is is also beneficial you know whether it's beneficial in in times of great pain and hurting where you you understand and know how to do like the spiritual disciplines of like reading scripture or praying or fasting um or being in communion with other believers i mean those are all disciplines so to say because that also keeps you on the right path i guess you i guess you could say um so like in times of pain you can still do those things because they're part of your disciplines but maybe disciplines is not really a fun word or maybe it's a triggering word because maybe that was used in a in an abusive context of like well you you have to be disciplined because you are undermining the church authority or my god-given authority and so it's the 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 disciplinary words and and themes are kind of used in a more coercive i think the shoulds can get like the language kind of why i appreciate rebt sometimes the should kind of language and like the must kind of language it seems to me i don't know sometimes it seems like there can be this inherent view of oh you're not good enough because you didn't work hard enough they're almost when when discipline is this kind of how i see it when discipline is kind of ends up used as the source of our salvation and used like to shame someone like you didn't do this enough therefore you need to do more of this like for the church or something like that that's when to me it seems that that seems off because our salvation is in christ and our ability to, to love him yeah. comes from like our knowledge of his love so that's what i'd encourage people to foremost like find out is like how much god does love you he delights in you i think sometimes those are missed out and those are key important factors and that's why like god image to me is a huge thing is also understanding like he's a good shepherd mm-hmm. he's a good loving father mm-hmm. and he's gracious even when you fall short and you don't have the discipline yeah and sometimes it's not to me, there's a lot of comfort in knowing it's not going to be all up to me and understanding and getting satisfaction from that and increasing 
we talked about this before, like my dependence on him to be able to navigate some of these things that I want to do because I love him. Like our delight in the scriptures should come from, or I don't want to say should, our delight <laughs> in the scripture is going to be different <clears throat> when it comes from an understanding of, oh, like I love God. He, he, these things are good for me. And that's why he tells me these things. Mm-hmm. versus oh i gotta just like plow through it and it's like dry there's no there's no affective love or concern or understanding of that so that's when that's when i see discipline starting to get coercive and manipulative mm-hmm. it's like i think like an example which i think has happened in well i'd probably say it's happened in a lot of churches it's um like if uh if there's sexual abuse in the church and the the victim of the sexual abuse has to go to the perpetrator and say that, you know, I forgive you for what you've done, you know, kind of like in a confessional way. It's like, because that happens. I mean, it's like, if there's sexual abuse in the church, if there's any kind of hurt in the church, you know, there's this there's a confessional of like, I, I'm confessing my sin, I'm repenting, which means I'm turning away from my sin, seeking help, whatever. Um, and I've heard of some cases where it's like the perpetrator stands before the church and confesses. And to be honest, I don't know how um, therapeutic that is. <laughs> um <clears throat> And and I definitely don't see the therapeutic purpose in having the victim go up back to the perpetrator and forgive. Because that's just, in my mind, all sorts of wrong. Um, or at least that's that's just like a whole that's confusing. <laughs> um as like as that as an as an example, I guess. Um I don't know where I was going with that, but it was an example for what you were saying. I just, I blanked a little bit. <laughs> discipline related? Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Like the coercive discipline. Oh, like yes. you should have discipline to forgive or something. Yes, yeah. Or if you're not forgiving, yeah. you're sitting in your sin and that's not okay. I guess as yeah. we're talking, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, it se- yeah. It seems like as we're talking about, I'm like, if these things are devoid of, and yeah, like as you said, like some it's hard to parse out. I'm not saying this easy. But if it seems like if these things are devoid of like like I'm telling you to do something devoid of like love. Like I'm just saying about those verses that talk about whatever, if you do these things without love, it's like a a gong. A gong or yeah. a symbol. It's like yeah, with something. It just it just seems like I'm I'm ordering you to do these things. And mm-hmm. there's there's not that because it seems to me different if I have a conversation with someone and I talk to them about forgiveness in light of like, it doesn't mean what it doesn't justify what they did. That's not what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. This is for your own heart and working through some of those things versus we're trying to like rectify something on the, on our image or how we want to appear as a church kind of thing. Yeah. Or yeah. or you're just doing these things to check a box. Right. It seems to me that's when like it starts transitioning into um abuse, manipulation, and also 
Just a lot of church hurt. Yeah, a lot of church hurt. <laughs> and also, I'm, I don't know. In that situation, I'm also thinking about that method of like confronting someone with like yourself and that person, bringing two people. Mm-hmm. It not and not going from like someone wronging you to like bringing in a thousand people into mm-hmm. the mending process or whatever that yeah. that might entail. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. You said it didn't sit right to you. I mean, no. it, feels, it feels kind of weird to me as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know why it feels weird to me. Maybe that's something to think about. Um, but that initial feeling, it feels off. Um, I was going to tie in like the having like the church system as a whole um, as part of the church hurt and spiritual abuse because and, and this is also referenced a lot and talked about um by other people who do uh this type of research and work um so these are not my own thoughts but these are other thoughts that i've thought about <laughs> <laughs> other people's Speaking um ideas and, and musings um so if we look at a church as a as a system um just plain and simple because it is, it's a religious, it's a religious and spiritual system um, that works for the benefit of the community and the people in the church, um, which is probably fair to say. Um, and so when we have kind of like that idolization of a single individual, I think we also have maybe that protection and idolization of the church because if we're thinking about the church the church is supposed to be god's body it's supposed to be god's bride it's supposed to be god's creation for good and restoration and forgiveness for everybody i mean that's as basic as it gets um and so when we view the church we also view it in a way where we want to protect it. We get defensive when people criticize the church because it's it's a good thing and we want people to view it as a good, as a good thing. And so when we tie in spiritual abuse with one person, we may also tie in spiritual abuse of a whole system. Because let's say when we're when we're talking about that example of, you know, a person in a sexual abuse and they have to go up and they have to forgive the perpetrator in front of the whole church. And again, that doesn't sit right with me, but it's, it's not for the protection of the person who's been hurt. Because I think in a very normal setting, you would never force someone to go up to the person who sexually abused them and, and say, I forgive you. Um, that forgiveness is probably not even there. But to put it in a simple way, it's kind of all for looks. It's, look at us. We, the church, are forgiving people. And there's, there's grace and, you know, <laughs> mercy for the person who, who's done the, you know, the, the sexual abuse. Um, but that's all. And he can go back into the church. And so now we just let the system continue as it does because we did our part. We forgave. Everybody saw it. Everybody heard the confession. We're good. Plain and simple. Um, but that system gets to run and continue 
And eventually there's going to be another incident that's going to happen. And so we're protecting the church. Maybe we're taking all the right steps, but we're actually causing more harm because we're not really addressing anything and we're putting things under the rug. Yeah. I feel like, I think part of what bothers me as you talk about it is like the lack of relationship in knowing if, like, I don't know, I get this image, when you talk about it, I get this image in my head of like, we're doing this, we check this box, we go back, we come back and then rinse and repeat, we're like doing these things for sure and like to check, to present a certain way. Something that, actually I went to one of the churches that you go to, and oh. then something that, <laughs> something that was brought up there was, um, that I kind of like, he's kind of like, church doesn't, doesn't just happen here. It's like out there in the home groups when, when pastors and leadership is in direct relationship with one another and you have that kind of transparency, like you're eating meals together and, and looking at the body functioning in that way of like, it's more organic. We're in, we're in the deep with each other on like a more individual or like a smaller group kind of setting. Mm -hmm. It's not just like ostensible and like I'm having this procedure for you to, like it's not based on just like procedures. I'm not, my love for God is in like a procedure of like us doing this and how well we do it. It's like, I want to sit here, be present with you and in the muck and figure it out and, <laughs> and be present with one another in the way that I think yeah. God wants to be with us. Yeah. And like sharing those like sorrows and pains and like that real hurt. Like we, right now we're talking about it or I'm, I've been kind of talking about it like as a concept to just talk about ideas, but like these are real, like it's, like it's, it's real and like you feel that and it stings because sometimes I think it feels like, well, the, the betrayal, or whatever also comes from God and it's, mm -hmm. it's like a, there's a mm -hmm. whole added layer, but I think. I think a healthy view of what that body um, that God wants for us and what, what he wants for that body to operate like is being in that, that relationship, that one-on-one -on -one, and actually getting to, it's not about checking boxes, it's really trying to share life and show that love and trying to figure out the nuances um, with one another. And that I think gives opportunity for like real forgiveness and like, real grace and like healing through and I'm not saying this easy when you learn to when you when when you're actually able to give that grace I think sometimes it can be it can be like huge like I know in my relationships it's like if I wrong someone or they wrong me really going through that I don't know, can really grow someone closer. I'm not saying it's necessary to grow someone closer, but they're, mm, yeah. it's like, and I think that's just a deeper understanding of like love. And really that's what the church is supposed to be, like a demonstration of Christ's love for us. And like, yeah, not, not to get too defensive on like, I don't know, stop attacking the church because I think, <laughs> I think like it's good to, to be transparent and 
take in the evaluation and and it, listen, but also like it is Christ's bride. Yeah. And and Christ under like there's this understanding that the church um is made pure because of mm-hmm. what Christ did for us. So I think that's important is to have that full view of what the church is and to have that understanding and also have that your identity is rooted in God as well. I mean that though if you if you have those two things, that's a, those are two great pluses. And if those are unshakable aspects of your identity and how you perceive things and understand them, then that's great as well. I don't think everybody has that. And it takes time to learn that. And probably the I mean the most like the 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 um, the trial by not trial by fires was it like being refined in the fire usually comes through pain and hurt and that's how you kind of get closer and understand who God is because I mean most of us do are growing in pain and hurt so <laughs> um and I don't want to say it as a blanket statement I think that's just an aspect of life um there's a lot of pain and hurt in the world and you learn a lot about yourself and who others are in those times. Um, but I, I guess what I was was going to point out is like if if you have those things about the church and God, you're you have a really solid foundation already. Um, I think what happens then is how do we one how do we protect the people in the church, not the church, the people in the church, um, from being hurt and abused by people in the church. <laughs> um, so how do we, how do we keep things transparent and accountable? Um, what are the red flags, I guess we would say of a toxic system <laughs> or a, um, or a, a, a person who is abusing his power as well? Um, because we're not always going to see those red flags because your pastor may be that one guy in a church of 5,000 people. So you're definitely not going to be the person who's always interacting with him, but certain people are. Um, and that's probably more realistic for some churches. Um, so noticing red flags, and I don't know what all the red flags are going to be, um, other than looking for what does their character show? How they talk to you. <laughs> I was going to say I, anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> but that also may just be uh, that you feel I uncomfortable as a person. One, I know. I always feel like that one's such an interesting one because, yeah. and I guess that's where the pattern comes in. But yeah, it's like, because mm-hmm. I could feel that with the person and they might not necessarily be abusive, but at the same right, time right. I could feel that with someone and it could be like, that's a good indicator to, yes, yeah. to lean in on, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I say something. Oh, something that I've heard other people bring up, and I think this relates when I think about our our profession is like the gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. At first, first going through like our profession, it's kind of like, man, this is really rigorous. We got to really be <laughs> extremely <laughs> like certain individuals. But then as I progress, I was like, oh, this makes sense, and I want to uphold these values and standards. Yeah. Um something that I've heard discussed and thought about is also like 
how do theologians and people in ministry, um, how do they elect other people into ministry and how does that um, come about? And also, do we have people in the leadership board keeping one another accountable that are also not necessarily just like their friends, <laughs> <laughs> but that you're actually able to bring in like different perspectives too? Yeah. To have that kind of accountability. Because it's, yeah. um, we talk about church hurt and how it can also come from the broader category of the church. It's like. Like people the, in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it can become like cliquish and like elitist and higher. That, that I think that can also be like a red flag if there's too much separation from, or it seems to be too much separation from those quote unquote at, at the upper echelons of mm-hmm. of church ministry and there's no. Mm-hmm. Like relationship, like top down, if it's extremely hierarchical in that in that sense, then it might be difficult to see that accountability. It's like we we don't have access to these people for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. So I think I know something that has been a good indicator to me of being able to discern that is like, do they invite me to their house, and mm-hmm. do I have I actually have conversations with them and whatnot. Because then I can actually, like, see what their life is like. Yeah. And then, like, do Thanksgiving, Easter. And I've had a family that was very generous with me and my church anyway. That's been a huge blessing. And, like, I saw what their life was like. I can't see every yeah every aspect, but yeah, they're willing to be, like, transparent and not isolate. And and one thing I that I think is good to, like, think about is, like, for believers, like, like you belong in the church, and as God's body, maybe not necessarily with like these, this group of individual people, but like there is a larger community that um, that you should feel like you belong, because the Bible tells us that, or I won't say you should again, but that like you do belong. Yeah. That does show grace, that is loving. Those people are out there. And it may not be the people that you met in that church, but I encourage to to like find that because I know that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such like a wonderful experience to be in community like that. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And, and something that someone said, again, don't remember, <laughs> but I don't attribute these thoughts as my own. Um, like the church is like the hand of feet and the hands and feet of Jesus doing his work and we get to participate in that and that's great. It's also not God and and being able to understand like those are different things. Yeah. It's like I might experience hurt from this group of people. I can set a boundary on that. We did the boundaries thing. Yeah. Um you you're allowed to find other churches like <laughs> and like move forward with those relationships and find people that you do connect with and you can have that bond and that feeling of belonging and connection because i i just think it's great like it's and that and that and that's the kind of environment where you're gonna like that's where i got a lot of my learning it's like when i'm living life with those people it's not even so much like i figured out this thing but it's like learning from those people and how they see god in a healthy way yeah I think to kind of close off with the last few minutes for this, then we'll do another 30 minute um, after hours for our Patreon. 
Um, where we dive into maybe like one other topic a little bit more in depth. <laughs> um, as like a, as a closing out of like final thoughts, um, I think one thing that's very important and it's, it's important because as counselors, we both recognize this as people who are in positions of power, so to say, when we sit with clients because they're vulnerable and hurting and we are, yeah, we have a lot of weight to our words and what we do in those sessions. One thing for, for those of us who are, I guess, in power or in any type of leadership position um, is we have to be able to, <laughs> we have to know our history um, and we have to understand the things that we've endured in the past. So traumas, issues, baggage, whatever, that's what we're talking about. You have to understand that for yourself and you have to work through that, um, which is what we have to do as counselors too in the program. We have to go to counseling sessions um, because it would be <laughs> a great loss to a future client if we were harming our clients um, and a great loss to the profession's name as well. Same with the church. Um, so you have to know your history and you have to be truthful with that. And I think you also have to allow the, um, God to open that up for you as well. So you, you have to sit in, in your pain, I guess, of pasts, past issues. Um, because those are going to come out, you know, <laughs> they're going to come out in your, in, in whatever you do, um, with people. Um, and I think that's just a, a fair thing to say, because even if you're not in a power position too, everybody has hurt and issues and trauma and baggage. Mm -hmm. And we technically, I would say, we all have the capability of doing harm um, to other people. Uh, whether we think we do or not, we, we do. And so... It's just in a general thing. We have to be careful and wise with our words and build ourselves up in healthy communities. And we want to seek out healthy churches. And, and we also want to keep things accountable and, and, and call things out when things are wrong. Um, because we could be in that same position. And I think that is just a normal responsibility that we have to have as human beings. And if you're in the church, I think even more, because um, there's a spiritual component to that. <laughs> um, so we have some resources, and we're definitely going to link those um, in the um, show notes down below. Um, specifically, I wanted to give people a resource from Dr. Diane Langberg, who has been doing this type of work for like 50 years. Um, and she has a lot of good resources and podcasts on church hurt, trauma, and abuse um, in the church, basically. Um, another resource is um, Nedra Tawab, who's a therapist, and she just talks about boundaries. That's all, it's probably not all she does, but 
everything she discusses is boundaries. And I think we talked about boundaries and how those are helpful. Um, and I think that's a very important topic to, or, or important skill to have under your belt. And so I would say those are two very big ones. And then there's some other resources that you can also look at as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some other stuff in the next 30 minutes. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you guys um, for yeah. listening. We hope you enjoyed this, um, our long discussion about church wounds. Um, and we hope you guys can carry this out into your your own discussions with friends and family and home groups. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. And I hope if you have any questions or any thoughts or concerns, we're happy to listen and take them into consideration. Yeah. Um, especially since, especially because of the nature of the topic. I think so. I understand um, that it might bring up a lot of past hurts as cliche as it might sound, but it's still important to me anyway, as an individual, um, that if some of those things do come up that we're able to address that or tend to that, this is not something where we're trying to coerce you into believing something or thinking something. So we hope that it's edifying and that ultimately that for those who are Christians to continue to see God and his nature and his goodness, um, that's what really I ultimately like to encourage and just be present with him and and to share life like that with other people as well. And it's not always going to look, it's not always going to be great and encouraging, but I definitely think it's worth it and eternally worth it. Um, and it's, it's beautiful and glorious and there's, there can be a lot of joy in it. And I'm also thinking after you mentioned what you mentioned, I think it's good to be like aware of how we interact with people. Um, one thing I appreciate about an existential approach, not to dive in too much into philosophy, but sometimes being aware of, I guess it's where the culture chameleon, cultural norms and like interaction with people, it can allow us to make different like decisions and like be aware of like also the fact that people come into church with their past hurts too. And like to try to be kind and patient and like gentle about those things. and. And that's why I think it's good to think about like where our hearts are at and not to judge people, but maybe see them like how God sees them and where they're at and um, try to shine light on that and provide people with what they need than just, just taking and trying to get people to like do something um, because on the exterior it seems like what's good anyway. And to really like listen and walk with people. So we thank you for listening and taking your time to listen and we'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>